The Christopher Peter Review provides original content discussing salient current events impacting our public policy, economic outcomes, and overall society. My name is Christopher Peter and I welcome you to the Christopher Peter Review. I am a political economist who provides original content in the form of weekly podcasts on the Christopher Peter Review podcast and daily commentary on the Christopher Peter Review Perspective site. My goal is to provide objective commentary focused on effective and efficient problem-solving and idea generation that affords the greatest number of people the greatest amount of good. Please experience content on the Christopher Peter Review as it becomes available. My name is Jennifer Smith and I welcome you to our podcast. Our approach in the content you experience on the Christopher Peter Review is centered on facts, evidence, and data. Our podcasts are free of hysteria, partisan agendas, or promotion of any political party, candidate or organization. Simply what are the best ideas and solutions for our people, our economy, and America? Now, let us begin this podcast episode of the Christopher Peter Review. In the episode of the Christopher Peter Review, we are going to discuss the use of executive orders. There is a great level of hysteria at times over the perceived use of executive orders to govern, where the normal legislative process is more appropriate. We are going to discuss and identify if there really are abuses or misuses. So what is an executive order? The President of the United States has the authority to issue executive orders to direct the actions of the executive branch on how to enforce new or existing laws or alter how the executive branch currently acts on those policy areas. Technically these orders only directly apply to the executive branch agencies and workers. But, one can reasonably see how the impact can spread throughout society. For instance, if you order the revenue collecting agencies of the federal government to increase the amount collected, then the general public is directly impacted and can be impacted for as long as that order is allowed to stay in effect. That is until the president who issued the order revokes it, the successor revokes it, Congress invalidates it, or the courts declare it unconstitutional. Every president to ever serve in the highest office in the land has issued at least one executive order during their terms. Yes, even George Washington, who is reported to have issued a single executive order. Generally, the idea of an executive order is not really controversial. That is until presidents started using the executive order to replace the legislative process. As we just discussed, these orders can act as law to some degree, which is why these actions are subject to judicial review. We recall during the red wave that occurred during the Barack Obama era, the response from President Obama was that he has a pen and paper. Many people might think Obama issued the most executive orders, but far from it. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt holds that honor. Executive orders are generally not a bad thing. In many ways they are essential to operating the federal government. A president has the right to direct the executive branch to operate in their vision of how to best serve the American public and best set the stage for implementing their respective agendas. But, like many things in society, there needs to be a level of moderation and judgment when using power. I believe the reason many people on the right, and some on the left have an issue with executive orders is due to presidents using them to circumvent the legislative process prescribed by the Constitution, which charges Congress with the law-making authority for the federal government. Issuing executive orders that push the limits of what is perceived to be the boundaries of executive authority will make political opponents believe that the respective president is operating as a monarch inside our democracy. Perception can be reality in our politics. But, Perception can consist of reality in the case of many executive orders issued with a clear intention to set law with the use of this presidential power. For instance, many people feel that President Obama clearly went beyond the positional power of his office to set immigration law for dreamers, when he should have worked with Congress to enact his preferred policy in the appropriate manner. Our Constitution empowers Congress to pass bills and for the President to sign those bills into law. 
Not only the bills that are easy. Not only the bills that everyone agrees with. Should an American president take an autocratic approach and purposefully avoid a democratic process because they lack the political will or leadership ability to guide difficult legislative items through a Congress that may be divided or composed of political opponents? I do not think major institutions in American society should be changed using the executive order. This was an executive order that rubbed many conservatives the wrong way. As many conservatives already viewed the governing style of the former president as that of a person believing he was an elected king. Others probably did disagree with the executive order because it simply was not the right way to address the issue and it set a bad precedent for other issues. Many worried that it would be easily rescinded by the next administration or struck down by the courts. So far it remains in place over technicality. Also because the scope of the program makes it hard to withdraw now that many people are impacted. But, the beneficiaries will always worry that their status could change on a fly if the order is eventually declared unconstitutional. This could have been avoided if done using the legislative process. The approach of enacting policy that is questionable to withstand legal challenges, but the hope that enough people are impacted that courts will not destabilize society by repealing it when it is somewhat normalized. That is what we are seeing with the Biden executive order that grants student loan relief to student loan borrowers that meet certain criteria. While issuing the order, Biden noted that it might not stand up to legal challenges, which makes you wonder why not work harder on crafting a program that would have or use the convenience at the time of having control of both houses of Congress to usher it through the legislative process. The order is being considered by the Supreme Court and some feel like it is not looking too good. But we have heard that before. This is an area where it is clearly evident that Biden has a knack for angering all sides at the same time. The amount is not enough to really appease the progressives who wanted to see full loan relief. Or at the very least, five times the amount offered in the order. On the other side, conservatives argue that why should people who did the right thing and paid off their loans or never attended college be impacted to offset the cost of others, many of whom will make more than non-college graduates over their lifetime. There is an obvious inequity when you ask for someone to pay for something they did not have any benefit from or any influence on how the cost was incurred. Should taxpayers foot the bill for graduates who majored in fields that offered no real economic viability or borrowers who simply ran up the bill without regard to what the future invoice would look like? Taxpayers already foot the bill for the life expenses for others. But, this is something different. It is one thing to assist people who need help to exist. Another to foot the bill for people who simply want to escape the reality of their choices. We can say we want to show the world a contrast between democracy and autocracy then show that autocracy is the only way of doing things. The importance of compromise and negotiation is lost on our society since the point where political parties decided the other was an obstacle unworthy of the traditional consideration. Therefore, we have allowed the executive order to become something more powerful than it was really intended to be. The purpose was never to allow presidents to behave like kings. We spent many years rejecting the impractical governance of a monarchy. Until we can get a legislative body that is willing to take on the tough issues and not let a thorough debate fracture our society, then we will continue to see the presidential administration expand their power though executive orders. There naturally should be some limit on what can be done through executive orders. Congress and the federal courts will probably have to establish the framework. But, the practice of executive orders is not a bad thing. It seems like many hear that an executive order is being issued and it has a negative connotation. If a president truly believes in our American democracy and our way of life, he or she will start to believe that our government can elevate itself out of divisiveness and work together on the important issues of our time. And better yet, be the driving force. Hopefully, we can see a government that can show compassion and a reasonable solution to finally provide some clarity to people who did not have a choice in how they arrived here. 
Hopefully, we can see a government willing to truly solve the issues impacting student loan cost, especially since the government has cornered the market for student loans. My name is Brad and welcome. The issue regarding the origins of the COVID-19 coronavirus is a highly sensitive topic. Since the early stages of the global pandemic, many politicians, pundits, and social influencers fiercely defended against any insinuation or possibility that the virus leaked from a lab in China. Hysterical claims of disinformation against anyone who dared to make that assumption. Hysteria that led to social media bans and other forms of censorship. For some reason, the only allowable narrative was that the pandemic stemmed from the practice of eating bats. The thought police did not want the public to use common sense thinking to decide which is more plausible. That people in China are eating bats, which lead to a worldwide pandemic. Or that a virus might have leaked accidentally from a laboratory. Now, the idea of a lab leak is becoming more acceptable. Although the Biden administration continues to say there is no consensus and that the recent report by the Department of Energy is based on low-confidence intelligence. I'm not sure why there are people unwilling to question what caused the global pandemic that took the lives of so many people worldwide. And why are American politicians so defensive to the rational idea that it could be a result of a lab leak? Possibly an accidental lab leak. Are they so afraid to offend or anger the Chinese government? I would think accusing people of eating bats in great enough numbers that a significant portion of the world lost their lives is more offensive than something leaking from a lab. I think eventually this will be proven to be the actual course of events. I agree that it is more offensive to say a group of people have peculiar dietary behaviors and the world suffered because of it. I am not sure why so many people are not even willing to consider the possibility of a lab leak and why it was so offensive to the point where people lost their platforms or were censored. There is a difference between claiming it was a purposeful leak from a laboratory or something that was accidental. But people eating chickens did not spread bird flu. It was such a far-fetched idea. I think it is important to get to the bottom of the issue and understand what caused it. I think our leaders should be less worried that people may say the wrong things than whether nations are doing the wrong things. Wrong things in a sense of not doing enough to alert allies or other nations of what was going on and allowing for a potential containment. I do think there needs to be some accountability on whether China acted appropriately regardless of whether the leak was purely accidental. My name is Adriana and welcome. Chicago decided for the first time in 40 years that it needed to not re-elect its mayor Lori Lightfoot, who claimed racism and bias. Voters seemed to claim poor job performance, uncontrolled crime, and lack of leadership. We saw the district attorney in St. Louis face removal over poor job performance. She claimed racism. In sports news, we see ESPN, the leading sports news media organization, allow for racial tone in coverage of contract negotiations for an NFL quarterback and voting for MVP in the NBA. Racism, sexism, and discrimination are problems in American society. There is no denying that. But, claiming racism to cover for poor job performance is highly inappropriate. Unproven claims of racism do more to foster skepticism where real issues exist. I think there is no denying that Chicago voted for change because of performance not demographics. Lori Lightfoot was extremely successful in her first campaign for mayor. Her time as mayor and many fights with the powerful unions did not help paint a picture of success. I think there is a trend across America where Americans are finally saying that high crime is not acceptable and we are tired of hearing excuses for it. I thought it was interesting that ESPN corrected the content it allowed to air. Facts matter real ones not fabricated ones. There are biases in our society, which are not acceptable. 
But, I believe it does not help when we people use the fact that bias exists as an excuse to avoid accountability for their own actions, record, or choices. I think claiming racism or discrimination when it is not the reason you were voted out, you are being removed from office, your preferred athlete is not viewed in the same light as another, or does not receive the contract you think he deserves as low-hanging fruit. A tactic that will raise skepticism when real events of bias are present. I watched the segments on ESPN and the insinuations were troubling and made me question why I'm watching a network that is promoting unproven and completely radical claims. Questioning the integrity of a player simply because he is the favorite to win an award for the third time and has the top team in his conference is something that needs to be vetted before put out there like that. Especially since the facts show otherwise. If every time a white basketball player wins the MVP, which is rare based on the data, is going to garner questions of racism, then I cannot take the media personality seriously. Personally, I thought Embiid should have won the award last year and I hope he wins it this year. But, I do not think we should question the integrity of Jokic and claim he is stat padding. That was just inappropriate. I think we need to be able to see the truth and not hide behind narratives. My name is JP and welcome. Some data shows that the employment market may be cooling. There are less advertisements for positions now than last year, combined with recent job cuts. Companies will still need workers but may be more cautious and conservative with the number they bring in. Inflation appears to be a problem that will persist and may grow stronger as the year progresses. The markets continue to lack sustainable growth. Overall, the economic outlook appears challenging and there may be little chance of soft landings. Unfortunately, the fiscal policy puts forth calls for higher taxes, which will further discourage economic growth and employment. There are times to raise taxes and times to cut taxes. This does not seem like the time to raise taxes. How should people feel about our economy? Interesting article we discussed as a team about how women are coming back into the workforce. The segment greatest impacted by the pandemic in terms of economic harm was women workers. Many women workers left the workforce for a variety of reasons. Many people left the workforce because of changing attitudes following the pandemic. I think it is telling when you see many groups returning to work because there are probably perceptions that now is not the time to remain on the sidelines. Whatever was keeping you away from working might not be a good reason to stay on the sidelines. There are some legitimate reasons. But, I believe many are not as confident in the opportunities available during a good economy as we continue to see unfavorable news. There are some states that are preparing nest eggs to buffer for a potential economic downturn. Fellow New Jerseyans saw that in the state budget. Other states are also doing somewhat of the same. Makes you think that it is more likely than not that a recession hits the economy. A recession may not mean massive job losses or a recurrence of the financial crisis. But, it may mean that people looking to advance their careers are going to experience longer or more grueling searches. Investors will need to be more resourceful and data-driven. I do not think the economic policy in place will allow America to avert a downturn. You cannot hope your way into an economy that creates real new jobs or that enjoys wage growth. We just are not positioned well. Raising taxes in this environment is simply not sound judgment. A problem throughout the Biden era. To recap this episode, we discuss the use and politics of executive orders. The fact that governing through executive orders is not the appropriate approach for a nation that values democracy and separation of powers. The executive order is an important tool for the president to use to direct the work of the executive branch. But, we should expect our president to not use it in place of the proper legislative process. In addition, we discussed how people are becoming more open to possible truths regarding the pandemic. More ideas that were once deemed disinformation now seem more plausible. We also denounced the practice of claiming discrimination to cover for professional failure or personal dislikes. 
Finally, we gave quick thoughts about the state of our economy. In closing, I thank Jennifer and the team for their continued contributions to this podcast. I especially thank the audience for taking the time to experience this episode of the Christopher Peter Review Podcast. We truly appreciate your viewership and continue to collaborate to ensure we offer you common sense and informative content. Please continue to visit us at www.crcrvw.com for new content and explore the content channels available. Thank you once again for experiencing this podcast episode and we will see you next time.